When a boy loves a woman. <laughs> that's all I got. Welcome it's enough. Wow. It's, it's enough. enough. Wow. That's just enough. A, I think that's just the right amount. Yeah. You're like a <laughs> chef putting the last little seasoning on a great meal. Uh, welcome to the final episode of season two of Let's Hear It for the Boys. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I am Pete. And we are talking about what I know. And what I know is this was a gangbusters crazy huge last episode of season two. We're going to be talking all about it. So if you haven't watched the episode yet, turn away because here be spoilers. Uh, But since we are wrapping up the season here, I think a good place to start is talk about the season overall as well as this episode, uh, what do you think? How do you think it tied up? What were your big impressions? Pete, I know you were holding on to it until we turned the recording on, so I'll turn to you first. Holy fucking shit, a lot of stuff happens. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. Um, I'm very impressed with the choices that they made and how they move forward. It was crazy and upsetting at times, but man... Can't expect anything less less for this show. I mean, how great of a show where you're like last step and you're still like, what the fuck is going to happen? And then a a ton of shit goes down. I mean, they really deliver on this app. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like the way the season brings together so many disparate threads um, with all these characters sort of pays off. uh, Everybody's individual plots, as well as sort of the larger themes of like what a father is, uh, what it means to uh, sort of grow up in this world and trying to be good or just trying to get by. Um, And then setting up like a great cliffhanger um, that really puts us in a a new spot, I think is super exciting. This is the, I completely agree. This is a great finale. Like you were saying, tied everything together really nicely. But the other thing that's so impressive about it is after a season where they plowed into a whale and heads exploded the last episode, uh, the action in this season finale was phenomenal. They saved the best fights for laughs. They were satisfying on an emotional level and a physical level. Just uh, great. Just great stuff. I I was happy, so happy with this hour. The only thing that outshined the amazing action was the acting. I mean, the Mm. part where Homelander is, like, covered in blood, like, going through so much emotional stuff, and that kind of, like, last kind of thing with him in the woods was insane. Mm-hmm. Of course, then you got the yeah. thing about him later where you're like, okay, it's still the boys, but goddamn, like really just emotional stuff. Now, this is an interesting question, and I think this is jumping ahead. Again, we're going to yeah. be briefly recapping the whole episode, but at the end of the episode, Stormfront is lying there on the forest floor. Do you think she later grew into a tree? Oh, that's a strong take. A really racist yeah, tree? Yeah, racist, horrible <laughs> tree? Well, no. most no. trees are racist. Have you ever read uh, The Giving wow. Tree? That book is no, fucked up. No, that book, The Giving no, Tree, you, is fucked up. You can't up. say that. Yeah. All right, you don't he, know. He that. gives the kid. He gives the that. kid some racist advice. Yeah, yeah exactly. Can't, can't say tre- trees are. Have so- you ever read The Racist Tree? <laughs> it's like The Giving Tree, <laughs> but way, way more, way more poor, worse. Poor trees. Don't read it. All we do yeah. is take from them, and then you're gonna go and call them racist. Come on. It's like I always say, trees stand back and stand by, you know? Oh, no, (laughs) don't, no. (laughs) Too much? Maybe a little too much right here at the top of the podcast? I don't know know if it's too much. Why do you... (laughs) 
Why do you have that queued up and ready to go like that? That's awful. Some crisp satire oh. uh, from Azalbs. Um, though I, it was to be bad fair, enough if, the first time around. Come on, man. If you want something to stand up and stand by, a tree is basically doing that 24 <laughs> 7. Stop saying that. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're not, all they're trees not do is stand up and stand by. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except right, for the, those fucking trees in the Wizard of Oz, and you got to watch out because they're also those are the most racist. They're so racist <laughs> they start throwing apples at people. Yeah, you know, we we only have a limited amount of time on this podcast, but I think it's worthwhile to spend. <laughs> yeah, time we're running tape. This is, all, <laughs> this is all tape. Yeah, but instead, rank trees, uh, trees by racism. <laughs> all right, hit me up. I'm going to say maple number one. No, you got to say birch. Is the birch? most rage. Birch? Yes, oh, they it's are got the, the white on trees. the outside. And, you know, come on. Yeah. The birch trees are white supremacists. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they wear those white little armbands. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Let's get into this episode and uh, talk about what happens here because so much uh, goes on. Uh, as we intimated. I would like uh, to just say. Yes. Racism is awful. Nazis are the worst. <laughs> the, uh, w- we joke around on the show, but please, if you're a Nazi or a racist, go away. Thank nice. you for taking a strong I, stance I just on feel racism. Awful about the jokes we were making, so I had to just come clean a little bit. And Pete, are you talking to our specifically our um, tree? Listeners out there? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. All the arboretums out there, please. Uh, we are anti-racists. Yeah, I think we could probably come out strongly against racism and white supremacy on this podcast. That's that's a stance that I feel comfortable taking. Good. Nice. Good. Yeah. Justin, why yeah, won't you both. say the word? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What have I done? Look, Pete, look what you've done, Pete. Justin, why won't you denounce racism right now? Uh, I, I denounce white supremacists and racism on this <laughs> boys podcast. <laughs> the ultimate bully pulpit is the boys podcast. Exactly. Uh, all right. So lots of stuff going on this episode in the season finale. As we mentioned, things come to a head with Homelander and his son, Ryan. Uh, they took him away from Becca Last episode, Becca is on the hunt for Ryan. She escapes from her compound, finds Butcher, tracks him down, joins up with the boys. That doesn't turn out too well for her because she ends up eye-lasered in the woods and dying later on. Uh, But in the meantime, Ryan is palling around with Stormfront and Homelander. He is finally bonding with his dad, uh, which is uh, probably bad for everybody. Uh, Mm. But in the process, Stormfront uh, takes him... uh, to a Planet Vaught restaurant. Oh, Things go idea. very poorly as he gets crowded. As predicted by Homelander, uh, the last episode, interestingly, uh, he kind of shuts down there. They take him to a cabin in the woods, the same cabin where Homelander was hooking up with Doppelganger oh, a couple that's of episodes right. back. Oh. Yeah. I didn't put go. that together until now. Oh. Do not shine a black light on oh. those walls, my friend. Yeah. What, Pete, do you think he had a separate sex cabin and regular living hoping, cabin? Like a family cabin and then a weird sex mm-hmm. cabin, you know. Nope. Oh. Uh, that's not how that works. You're allowed one cabin here in the United States. <laughs> that's right. So Homelander does comfort him and teaches him how to use his heat vision, explains that it comes from hatred. That pays off very badly later on. As Stormfront attacks Becca, Ryan goes apeshit, uses his hate vision, blows Stormfront apart, uh, but also hits his mom in the process, as we mentioned. Uh, now, this is also ties into the boys' plan. Uh, they get some information, surprisingly, from A-Train, who steals it from the Church of the Collective. 
Stormfront is completely revealed as a Nazi to the entire United States and the world, which drives her a little crazy. But that's all part of their trap. They lure her to a location. The girls get it done by beating the shit out of her. Uh, And uh, ultimately, Homelander shows up. He's distracted. But there's a big showdown in the woods after Becca is killed. Queen Maeve shows up, reveals the blackmail that she has to a Homelander uh, and gets one over at him. He does not want his horribleness revealed to the entire world, particularly as I guess he's seen what happened to Stormfront as a result of that. Uh, And ultimately lets Butcher and Ryan go. But then Butcher, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but Butcher kind of denies Becca's dying wishes and gives Ryan up to Mallory, who brings him to a safe location. Uh, And at the end, the boys are cleared of all charges, Huey and Starlight get back together. Starlight, Queen Maeve, and uh, oh my gosh, who's the? Uh, that's it, right? Or basically the seven. Oh, A Train is back in the seven. A Train's back. Mm-hmm. A Train's back in the seven. Do the Church of the Collective? The Deep is pretty pissed about that because he gets turned down by the Church yeah, of the Collective. And the big reveal at the end is the person who's making heads explode was none other than Newman, the Congresswoman. Newman. Newman. Who? makes Alistair, the head of the Church of the Collective's head explode as well, and then Huey joins right. up with Huey's her. Huey's a mole. He'll figure it out. Huey, uh, joins Huey, up Huey is not a mole. Not. Huey's <laughs> a mole? No. He knows no. Huey's Huey a bad mole. At best is a mole sauce, which is a delicious sauce that you can get on your enchiladas. Mm, uh, true. And joins up with their campaign, and that's where we end the season. I know I kind of jumped all over the place, but there's so much to deal with and so much to talk about here. There's so much. and it, the, before, But the biggest issue we have to talk about is uh, the, the Chrysler building and uh, what, what you do standing on top of it. Wait. Oh, oh wow. right. Yeah. So we do end with something that was so raunchy. Yes. They didn't use it in the first season of the show, but finally paid it off right here in the season finale. Uh, though in a slightly different way, uh, fans of the boys' comic books know there's a pretty famous scene where Homelander jerks off in the air and it rains on New York City. And people are like, huh, this is a weird rain. What's going on here? And it's Homelander's cum that's all yeah. over the city. Mm-hmm. We don't get the rain. but That's we do- true. In, but we live in New York. That's a true thing that happens. Just not a superhero. Yes, uh, exactly. All the time. Uh, it's mostly uh, Mayor de Blasio. <laughs> oh, wow. No, nah, wow. just kidding. He's That's only a, shitting on us oh, all the time. Wow. wow. Alex wow. isn't just nonstop hot takes today. I don't know what the deal yeah, is. I'm, I'm on fire, man. Uh, yeah, you are. Literally, you're physically burning. Yes, we're doing this over Skype, and you can see that I have literally, I only have a couple of moments left to get out my hot political takes before I explode. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we do get that, and I love this riff on it that they do the classic Batman superhero pose. As he ejaculates, he's standing in front of the mood on a gargoyle. It's absolutely ridiculous. But in the same way, like we've been talking about, and like I think, Pete, you brought up, it emotionally pays off Homelander's arc at the same time, which is wild. I was not talking about that part. I was talking about the wood stuff. But, well, him, I think it's him saying, I can do whatever I want. Him feeling both yeah, but power, the look powerful on, and powerless. Yeah, at the, same the time. look on his face, uh, you know, making it it's very clear that he is also powerless as well. And I think that's a. It's just a really great metaphor. It's amazing to me they had this shot already, and they they found just the perfect space to slot it in. Oh. Yeah, 
I don't know about that. Um, I would like to say, though, they did mention that the uh, the sex cabin and then also the family cabin is in Rochester. They gave a little shout out to Rochester. So, Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah they could yeah. probably pop off and get a garbage plate, right, Pete? Yeah, I mean, if they're smart, you know, but. Now, the sex cabin business is big up where you're from, right? Yeah, there's a lot of lovely <laughs> cabins you can rent for, you know, whatever sex. you want to do with them in Rochester. Nice. Yeah, that's the town slogan, right? Whatever you want to do with it, hey, Rochester. Hey, whatever you want to do, just get a garbage plate, you know. <laughs> all right, let's talk through business. this. Let's talk through all these storylines. I mean, I think we could even kind of run through this episode because so many different disparate things happen. Uh, but we kicked off with that fun supervillain attack PSA, which I know we yeah. love this all the time, but just such a smart bit. Of cultural commentary there. Scary, scary, but uh, but but also there are jokes in it as well. Like, I love these. I would do, if they, in the next season they did one of these per episode, I'd be down for it. Because you love a tight package. Yeah, I do love a tight package. <laughs> Thank you for always saying that. Um, but it just is a nice way to put, to your point, Alex, put some, like, cultural commentary right at the top of the episode, and it really kicks us off in an in interesting way. That yeah, whole, uh, like, your teacher will have a gun, like, was just like, oh, Jesus. I mean, teachers are doing so fucking much right now. It's just, oh. I, yeah, I would with the supervillains and everything. Uh, the other thing about it, I mean, this is pretty obvious, but that we know from watching this show that these measures are about as effective as like putting up some tissue paper, you know, in front of the door or something like that. And that's the same thing with these gun preparedness drills where it's, it's fucking stupid. Like it is going to lead to more deaths than uh, save necessarily lives. And it's sad and horrifying to see that stuff at the same time, as Justin, you were saying, it's also a very funny PSA at the same time. And that's a hard line to walk. Yeah. And especially like, you know, the best uh, using superheroes as a metaphor to comment on our real world is is such a good way. It's what this show is great at. And this is just another example of that. And then we get lines later throughout the episode, like if Vought took a shit in the middle of Fifth Avenue, they throw a ticker tape parade, like sort of a oblique Trump reference. And throughout the episode, we're getting closer and closer to actual politics um, as this season's gone on. Also, I mean, that the, you know, the W of law is weight, you know, and it's also a really interesting kind of thing where you're waiting on someone to save you, you know, and it's like, that's the superheroes is that, you know, and it's just, uh, it's very powerful and it's kind of insane the way they kind of sat in that, in that uh, PSA. It was really, I mean, this show, as gross as it is, it's also really smart and uh, says a lot of great things. My only, the only downside, I think, with that promo is the URL they put up at the end, vaudamerica.com slash active supervillain, just redirects to Sony's website. Come on, people. If you're going to put a URL, a fake URL in a TV show, build the website. Wow. Do the effort. Come on. Wow. A shot or across the bow to... Is that uh, exactly what they want you to do? Just go to Sony. Oh. Well, Ooh, if, if there is a supervillain attack, no, I highly recommend go to Sony. Sony is Vought. I mean, that's basically what they're saying by that. Mm, mm. Interesting. Did Vought yeah. invent the Walkman is my big question. Yeah. 
then we get a, a nice scene with good old Jim Beaver talking to Newman and Mallory about the coup. Again, very like direct political commentary about they can't do anything here. Um, I like the scene quite a bit, and I love seeing Jim Beaver. I'm glad that they brought him over from Supernatural to this and such a different character. Um, it's a lot of fun. Now, it was kind of this fun bit about like, where's my flag pin? You know, and that kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, where is my super suit? You know, nobody else? No? <laughs> sure. No. Sure. No. Yeah. No. That sounds like no. something you're saying. I mean, there, there's a lot of talk about thoughts and prayers here as well. Oh, so, yeah. again, yeah. Uh, you know, pretty pointed. Uh, why don't we talk about Starlight and her mom uh, and the yes. cross? Because yes, that's a I, good storyline in this episode. Justin, you it, want to take this one? Yeah, it plays out at the end. Uh, Starlight's with her mom, who gives her her cross uh, back, and she's, she wears it. And by the end of the episode, she's sort of rediscovered uh, her her faith. Uh, she's back um, on the religion tip, something that had affected her so poorly in the uh, throughout her life. And in the first season, we really explored that. And I thought it was such an interesting choice. And she says, "If uh, is the line like, if Butcher can, um, yeah, if know, Butcher her- can do the right thing, then yeah. God is real." Basically, is what she's saying. What do you think about that takeaway? Because to me, it feels it feels like a weird uh, spin backwards for her when I, I didn't mm. see that coming. Also, Butcher like did the good thing for like a couple minutes, and then like gave his son or the kid away, not his son, but you know. Well, I mean, we, we can talk about that uh, later, but I, th- I think the reason Butcher gave Ryan away is because he sort of had completed his fathering uh, abilities when he said, don't be a cunt. Yeah, he was like, well, <laughs> got kids all right now. Well, yeah, the Butcher like, thing, I actually do think uh, we're jumping around and I think we can talk about both things, but the Butcher giving up Ryan thing is the right thing for him to do. It's a bad and a sad thing because he is denying Becca's dying wish, but... He's not going to be able to do anything else for Ryan, and he knows he's going to slip and try to kill him at some point, you know? Well, I don't know if he tried, if he would slip and kill him, but I don't think he could give that kid a good life. But also, like, what I'm worried about is when you put a kid in a truck and drives away, like, what happens to that kid? Like, is it going to be another Homelander situation where everybody's scared of that kid and a bunch of asshole scientists try to raise him? You know what I mean? Like, where is that kid going? Like... I just wanted a little like butcher to be like, hey, man, you can call me, you know, whatever. This isn't it. You know, it, uh, I think, you know, Mallory, hopefully we would hope if we want to look at the positive end is probably bring Ryan into a more positive situation than Homelander was. But that's the risk there. Right. But at the same yeah. time, there's that incredible Carl Urban shot when they are in the woods before Homelander lands where he, Becca has just died and he picks up the crowbar and he's looking yeah. at Ryan. Yeah. And I think that's what Butcher knows. Butcher knows that that's the moment he's always going to come back to at some point the second anything goes wrong with Ryan. So to keep him safe and in a, in a twisted way, honor Becca's wishes, he has to send him away because the safest thing is to keep him away from himself. I think that's a hundred percent right. Like he blames, he fully blames Ryan for Becca's death. There's no, like he can't put it up, like a chalk it up to a mistake or some, a kid that wasn't aware of his powers. He already hates soups in general. So I think he is sort of honoring Becca's wish by sending him off. And, I think that will come back to haunt perhaps everyone. Yeah, I mean, because that sending a kid off isn't the answer. You know what I mean? Like, you've got to have some kind of, 
at least oversee where he's going to go. You know what I mean? No, like, Jesus I think Christ, C- that kid's going to be so pissed. I think the CIA and other government organizations are great um, orphanages and great yeah, I disagree uh, with that. places to go. No, I don't um, think that's a, what they're about. A lot about. of the, like the FBI offices, there are just kids running around <laughs> loose everywhere. Yeah, and we're not just saying this because the FBI is watching us through our webcams right now, mm-hmm. but I do want to say to the FBI agent watching us, thank you for raising us. Fuck you, yes. FBI person <laughs> listening to this. Whoa. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> Man. <laughs> what is with this episode really got everybody pretty keen. Up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I was when uh Starlight got the cross, I was like, oh shit, I think Vought gave this to the mom to give to Starlight or something, like there's a tracking thing in the cross or something. Wow. That was my first thought, and then I was like, come on, you know. Did you ever think that maybe Jesus gifted it to her? Ooh. Yeah, the ultimate FBI is Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> He's always watching. <laughs> He's like Santa, but for, you know, not presents. Well, since we've gotten back to this, I do want to talk about the starlight moment and comment to what you were saying earlier, Justin, about getting the cross. Uh, I don't want to speak for you guys, but certainly as very, very heavily lapsed in religion myself, my initial reaction when I see something like that is always, ooh, that's a bad thing. They're going back to religion. But I don't think that is actually the thing for Starlight, and I don't think they're saying that with the show. I do think her coming back to religion is a very positive thing, both for her and the character, because what she is dealing with is developing faith. You know, she had it set in a certain way for her and told to her in a certain way as a kid, and in finding it again as an adult and finding her faith in God, finding her faith in religion, figuring out what it means to her in this new reality is ultimately, I think, a very positive thing. And you look at that through her getting her old costume back, the costume that she believes in. She is returning to these things, but she can move forward in, uh, like I said before, a more developed way. And especially when, uh, you know, for Starlight, who's kind of having struggling with a lot of things, like to see kind of her make a positive thing out of something that was once negative is nice because you have Maeve who is like literally screaming, nothing ever changes. It's a shit show. Fuck it all. And she's kind of making positive choices and and doing things to try to kind of believe in that kind of stuff. So it's nice to kind of see those two kind of different choices, especially. That's taking ownership of her life, I think. Um, She's something, her faith ended up hurting her a lot uh, throughout season one. And so it's kind of coming to uh, back to that as a thing that she's in control of now. And I feel like that goes for Huey as well here at the end of this episode where he's sort of like taking ownership of everything that happened. He's maybe in a good place with Starlight and he's like, okay, I'm ready to make a change. Unfortunately, it's him walking into um, uh, the campaign of someone who we learn is a terrifying supervillain. Yeah, so yes. he, it's a smart – Huey is really playing chess out there and making everybody think he's playing checkers. But uh, I think that also like – No, at, at the best, he's playing like Go Fish. Uh, yeah, exactly. Huey, he's playing coin toss and some <laughs> somehow he gets it tails and it sprays blood in his face. Well, That's the a, Huey way. The fun Huey through line here of shitting on Huey, where even the mom's like, really, the anxious kid with the weird handshake, you know, and then also like Maeve calling him a twink and being like, this guy, like, uh, that's kind of a fun uh, through line there. That is fun. Uh, Do we want to, we can certainly jump to the end and talk about Alexandra Newman and then come back to 
the episode itself. Uh, what do you think about, and, and I know this is very pointed, but uh, similar to the religion thing, I think it sort of twists the way we, the three of us, probably feel about this. Having the AOC stand-in be the person who literally makes people's heads explode, I love that twist, but it also makes me nervous to turn her into a bad guy potentially in season three. How do you guys feel about it? I really like it as a choice because um, the show is uh, a lot of people and the response online a a bit from this season is like that it's like anti-Trump. And so the fact that it's sort of taking an eye on just power in general here, because while it may be like, oh, this is standing for AOC, like it's it's not meant to be specifically AOC is a dangerous supervillain. I think it's like people that chase power um, ha- are dangerous. And to have that flip at the end, I feel like sort of depoliticizes it a little bit and is just a great twist uh, in general. Pete, you do not need to raise your hand. I have a question. (laughs) Uh, So the the head exploding power is weird because she was in the courtroom kind of freaking out like everybody else was. But when we saw the power being used, like she had this glazed over like to use it, she had to turn into something. So I was a little confused when I saw that. I think, uh, and Justin, I don't know if you could speak more to this because maybe you do have uh, the inside scoop here, but Mm. my takeaway is when we see her eyes glazing over after she makes Alistair's head explode is that was a visual indicator to make it 100% clear that she was the person who did it. Yeah, I think that's it. And in because in the scene from last episode in the courtroom, if she was sitting there with his, her eyes glazed over, it would have been a little obvious what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love the fact that they well, worked how her can, in. How, how can, can she? Yeah, how can she do it without doing the eye glaze then? It might be sort of a distance thing, or it might be that they just uh, sort of, we just missed the eye glazing part. Or, I mean, we don't actually know how the power works, or maybe she has other people who uh, are working with her to amplify it. Uh, It's definitely not the only person who can make a head explode in this world. Um, So, yeah, I I wasn't bothered by it. I like it as a reveal. It's very, um, like, 1950s murder movie, just like, Mm -hmm. dun-dun-dun, and I thought that was great. Well, and she was... She was weaved into the season from the very beginning. I mean, this is something that I think is, if I remember correctly, right after Rainer's head explodes, the episode cuts to Alexandra Newman on TV. So, like, right in the first episode, even though you don't know who she is, they are telling us who did this Right at the very beginning, they're weaving in there. There's no way you could figure it out necessarily. There's no way you could know. But that is a very smart mystery there to layer that stuff in, give you all the clues, but not actually reveal it until the very end. Because I don't think there wouldn't – to your point about the courtroom scene, her reaction, the way that they played that, there's no way you could have necessarily figured out it was her, but she was there. Yeah. You know, and she was not affected. So – uh, it doesn't seem impossible. We just but don't know exactly how also, her powers work yet. Why is she sabotaging her own courtroom? You know what I mean? Like, how is that part of her evil plan? You know, because like she was trying to do something completely different and then everybody blew up and then she couldn't have her day in court. Well, clearly there's a deeper ulterior motive that we aren't aware of yet. But the okay. fact that she's tied up with the Church of the Collective and that's another thing that we've seen a lot of this season, but. I don't know how it works. I don't know exactly what the implications are there. 
Follow the like, Fresca and you'll get your answers. Fuck Fresca. Um, <laughs> so I, I I like it as a twist and it takes something that felt like it was some sort of like metaphor almost and makes it a real storyline going into the next season. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's jump back and talk about Frenchie and the female because there's, there's some fun and very sweet stuff with them throughout this episode. I do want to call out that amazing shot of as Frenchie is building weapons and Kamiko just walks across screen with a bazooka that's as yeah. big as her. Oh, yeah, that was great. Very yeah. funny. Yeah, because they're talking uh, about killing Roadrunner and she walks by with like this cartoonish bazooka. It was really great. Great. Great shot. Uh, But what do you think about their storyline? Because they really have reached a new level in their relationship here. They're going dancing. Leave the season by going dancing. How do you feel about Pete? I'm excited for it. I'm excited for them to be together. And I think they bring out good things in each other. So, I mean, that's a great sign for the future. I really, again, like, uh, I hate to come in swinging the, swinging with the ideas, but as the romantic comedy expert on the podcast oh, and sort of, <laughs> I let that the, go last time. Don't fucking throw that around again. I just think I have a sharper eye on romance as far as, uh, the two of you. Oh um, my God. It feels, it feels like they're not in a You're more of an expert on romance is what yes, you're claiming. Right. That's what I'm saying. I've seen all of the movies and uh, TV shows about romance. <laughs> it doesn't make you an Netflix. expert on ro- romance, man. You nice. can see it, but you got to experience it to be an expert. I, I did love. Well, are you we flirting talking. with me? <laughs> 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 no, no, I was not. Uh, I the Frenchie Kamiko relationship feels like that. It's uh, just a very tight platonic friendship. Ooh. I. No, I agree with you on that. Uh, even with the dancing at the end, it's very sweet. It's very nice. But my favorite moment between the two of them was just the nice, relatively subtle payoff of her signing in yeah. front of Stormfront. And I'm forgetting the exact line, but Frenchie basically be understanding it finally. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was great. Like, it's a great line. Uh, him him being like, she's going to fuck you up or whatever he says. Uh, and, but uh, the fact that he understands the language now and they've taken the time, we've had a little bit of a time dash there where he has taken the time to understand their signs. It, it's good. It, it's just, it's a nice, nicely written, nicely weaved in way of tying up that relationship for the season. But it was also really cool the way Frenchie was like, saw that she was anxious about how she would handle herself. And he was like, I believe in you. I think you will do great. You know, it's going to be fine. Yeah. What about Maeve? Maeve has a big arc here and comes and saves the day right at the end. Twice. Uh, she's, she does Twice. It. Well, she also did it last episode, too, which I thought was interesting. Like, she's popped in out of nowhere last episode to take down Black Noir. This episode, she uh, pops in to help take down Stormfront. There's the amazing... Hey, crap. Oh, my God. What's... What what's the Quentin Tarantino Grindhouse movie? Um, Grindhouse? No, but his half of Grindhouse. Yeah, uh, isn't there like a number in the title? Yeah, whatever it is, uh, that one. It, it was very a very similar shot with the uh, women all kicking Stormfront at the end there. Oh yeah, that's uh, oh that was so good with what's his face as the driver guy, stuntman Mike. Death proof. Death, Death proof. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, Zoe Bell and everybody else kicking yeah, shit up. Was, was it Kurt great. Russell? One of the great. Maybe? Yeah, Kurt Russell. One of the great endings to a movie of all time. Like really top oh, wow. ten greatest endings to a movie. 
It really is. I mean, yeah. they just kick the shit out of him, and then they all jump in the air and freeze. Yeah, and I remember seeing it in the theater; music. people lost yes. their mind. But this seemed to be very visually reminiscent of it. In the way I watching that and seeing Queen Maeve come in, I was like, "Who's going to say it? Who's going to say girls get it done? Who's yeah. going to say it? Please pay it just off." Great. And then the way Frenchie delivered that line, perfect. Yeah, it was really this whole fight sequence was great. It, yeah. You could. You just were like were right there with them rooting, so even exciting. though you, you knew there was going to be a big fight at the end of this episode. But the way they sort of surprised us with it here was just great. And to see Stormfront be utterly defeated um, by this group was just so it was very satisfying. Yeah, yeah. and then she uh, ran away. Yeah, well, sure, she ran away, but then she got lasered to death and stumped. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then she could only and, talk in like her horrible Nazi talk at the end. Do you think she's dead? Stormfront. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she's come back from worse. I could see the fact that she was still talking. I could see her preserved somewhere by Vought. Yeah. You know, or harvested in some way, potentially. Like a tree, perhaps. Oh, my wow. God. <laughs> oh, my God. You're the worst. These apples taste weird. <laughs> yeah. These apples now, taste German. <laughs> Tastes like racist. Uh, now, apples. a moment I wanted to talk about because we've touched on this uh, quite a bit in the past couple of episodes of the podcast in terms of the divide of evil between Stormfront and Homelander is there's a scene when Stormfront is appealing to Ryan at the cabin and talking to him and trying to explain there's a war against people oh, like us. That was awful. Which is awful, uh, but there's a great shot in the middle there that I do think points to the divide between the two characters where she says, it's called white genocide, and it yep. cuts to Homelander, Homelander. <laughs> and he very subtly does like a, eh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What'd you guys think about that? I think it, it's it, it's such a fine line to draw, and they do a great job of making it. Uh, they know what they're going to get rid of Stormfront at the end of this episode, but to keep Homelander sort of as this character that we are just, just have to keep watching because he's so weird and complex and interesting. Yeah, he's like, oh, I don't know about all that. I just want to fuck around and be famous and uh, be be cool. <laughs> um, I think it's such a smart move to give him that little out, that little like, whoa, what did you say? Moment. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to call out was everybody's reactions to Becca and meeting her, which I thought was a really fun running bit throughout the episode. Everybody's just like giddy, like Christmas morning where they get to see her. Fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. Fun stuff. Uh, other things we could probably call. I mean, that, it was great where Mother's Milk was like, I've heard a lot about you. You know, that was mm -hmm. really sweet. Yeah. Well, let's talk. He, he, uh, short shrift is probably too strong, but if there is a character that doesn't quite get the due in this episode, it's probably Mother's Milk. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I would even say the end, season. Though. I feel like Mother's Milk just didn't get a ton. He was there sort of being the, the person that kept everyone together a little bit, but mm -hmm. he didn't have a strong uh, solo storyline this whole season. Well, he had like a lot of like, small moments throughout the thing. I agree. He was robbed overall, but I was happy he got to have his happy ending <laughs> and, uh, and like got to be with his family at the end. I mean, that's really, yeah, no, it's nice, but I'm just saying like, um, hopefully in the next season he will, um, have a little bit more, uh, of a, a central role, I guess. I hope what, so. what happened to his Victorian dollhouse? Did he ever finish it? We never found out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's I'm a sure dangling that's the first line. 
It's that first thing next season they'll they'll pay that off. First shot, yeah, man. For sure. First shot. First shot. shot. Two interesting conversations with Mr. Edgar in this episode. One with Alistair and one with Butcher. Uh, both in very different directions with very different results. What were your big takeaways from those? What did you like? What did you think was interesting? Well, it was nice to see that he was like, Fresca is awful. You know, I'm not going to drink that shit. Yeah, that was was your big takeaway? Yeah. That was my big takeaway. (laughs) I think we could just call that a takeaway, not a big takeaway. (laughs) Um, I I think Edgar sets up, again, as sort of the overarching ice-cold villain. Um, Above all, the hand that is guiding all of this stuff. Um, And... I think how can like Giancarlo Esposito like just plays these scenes so like dead eyed and perfect. It's uh, the way that they're able to sort of touch like corporate power, political power and all these different ways and still keep the show, the balloon in the air for the, for an episode like this is, is great. I, uh, I was bummed about Alistair dying just because I like their scene together so much. And the idea yeah. that, Edgar and Vaught in general have this almost detente with the Church of the Collective. I thought was a really fascinating thing to see play out. Um, not the Church of Collective is necessarily done. It could certainly come back the next season. Uh, but it'll be curious to see how Edgar works with whoever, I don't know, ascends or whatever they're going to call it with Church of the Collective. I really thought that was an amazing moment when his head exploded. Because for a second, it was like he took a drink of the fresca. And there was a shot of the bloody fresca on the ground. It was like, was it the fresca the whole time? Is Fresca mm. making people's heads explode? Mm. So then, certainly mine because of how delicious it is. Oh, stop! You can't <laughs> wow. say that it's. I love delicious. it. I have been nonstop looking for Fresca in my neighborhood. Whenever I go out to a no. deli or grocery why store or anything that? like that, nobody sells it. It's very it's weird. It's why would you put that on your shelves? I don't know. I wanted to uh, drink one and uh, while we were doing a podcast, I know you guys, but it's not available. Yeah. Oh, what a what a disaster. You could just yeah. drink a mix, uh, leave out Mountain Dew out in the sun for a couple of days and drink that. <laughs> That's basically fresh. Or you, if you just like sweep off your porch and then put that into bubbly, fizzy water, then you're set. Fresca. Or just take an old lemon and um, just stick it in your like cheek, and that's basically <laughs> fresca. <laughs> that was the original fresca back in the day. Back the in pil- the night- pilgrim fresca, they called it. Mm. All right, I'll have to try that. Uh, I also did love the specificity of the scene with Edgar and Butcher later on in the episode. Just the things that Edgar was ordering uh, and the power dynamic there. So it's going to be very interesting to see that going forward. Um, what else should we talk about? Any other any other plot uh, points you guys want to call out? Well, I do think um, it's so, so the team, the seven going forward is everyone hates everyone, basically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got Maeve and Starlight who are sort of a newfound um, friendship or at least they're on the same page, it seems like. But then you've got Homelander who's being blackmailed by Maeve who knows that uh, Maeve and Starlight are um, doing their own thing, have sort of gone rogue against Vought. Um, also, Storm uh, Homelander has probably blames them for the death of Stormfront. Then you got A Train, who's back on um, doing his own thing, uh, looking out for himself, I guess. And then spots for new members. Like that's a real hotbed. How is this team going to function? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And is Black Noir dead? Uh, I don't. I thought so. I, I also. So too. I, I do think there's a strong. Uh, he could be a candidate for having just a clone show up. 
Mm, that's true. Uh, yeah, so I mean, potentially some new team members in the next season, which could be kind of interesting. Uh, also, just a side note, but talking about A Train, the scene where he just shows up in the car with Huey and Starlight is oh so God, funny so and so well done. Their, yeah. their scream there is great. Also, like the way that like A Train just kind of takes off running, it makes me so scared he's going to run through somebody again. It's just, uh, it's crazy. Uh, I, yeah, I was really happy with that scene and like that whole kind of interaction where they kind of were like, hey, I owe you one. No, no, you know, like, and now everybody's okay. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see like that dynamic moving forward. Um, also, I, I really want to talk about Homelander and like the cabin and Ryan because it seemed like. Homelander was really trying to help his son. Like, we know he's awful, but, like, the way he was, like, outside and Stormfront was like, go in. What are you doing? You know what I mean? He was like, I'm trying to give him his space, you know? It was like, that was really kind of, like, interesting to kind of see this. I mean, there's so many. It's not the way Homelander is played is just so multidimensional. It's very interesting. And it's I for a second was really wondering if he if Homelander was going to kind of like be like, hey, fuck this racist lady. Let's like really try to get you somewhere else, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good breakdown of it. The other side of it, though, is as sweet as it is to see Ryan cuddle up with Homelander and as touched as Homelander is, it's sort of like if Luke Skywalker gave Darth Vader a big hug. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's, it's not good for Ryan. It humanizes Homelander, but I think all of that is broken out uh, of him by the end of the episode, which makes him all the more dangerous going into season three. Uh, on that note, lots of stuff to talk about, and I know we've touched on this a little bit, but going into season three, there's a lot of plates in the air, a lot of things going on. There's also the news that we haven't really talked about here on the podcast, that there's going to be a boys spinoff focusing yeah. on Vaught University and uh, college-focused soups. As this universe continues to expand and we get both season three and the spinoff, though there's no timeline on when that's coming out, uh, what do you want to see? What do you expect? What are you interested in? I'm curious what I mean. They covered so much, both uh, plot-wise and uh, like cultural commentary-wise. I'm very curious what avenue they're going to go down. Is it going to be further getting into like politics? Um, is there another angle on like sort of the military-industrial complex yeah. they want to take on, or like what is the the sort of the thing or the theme of the next season? Because uh, I, I couldn't, I can't really predict what it would be. It'll be interesting to see, like, for next season, I'm very excited to see this kind of, like, Newman thing unfold and how Huey's going to kind of stumble into another adventure. Um, but as far as the university is concerned, I'll be very interested to see, like, what kind of message the school is about. Like, are they cranking out, like, minions? Are they cranking out, like... is it Actual gonna, minions? Is it, yeah. like, going to be, like... Banana! A, right? Uh, Banana! <laughs> right, uh, Pete? Yeah. Or is it going to be like a sidekick <laughs> superhero divide, you know, like Sky High, you know, fantastic movie. Again, Kurt Russell killing the game. Uh, but I think it's like how are, you know, like what's the school going to be hey, about? Pete, don't go overboard. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Not the remake, <laughs> the OG. 
Yeah, wow. of course, always. Uh, yeah, I think it will be interesting to see as this uh, continues to expand. And clearly, Amazon is all into it. There's a danger there; it could be too yeah. much. Uh, despite the fact that you know the boys is a monster hit by Amazon standards, uh, and you know they expand the franchise. I don't know if you guys are aware of this with uh, Prime Rewind inside the boys, which oh, also aired. That yeah, sounds just a little plug wow, there. Plugging it up. <laughs> Uh, so hopefully that'll come back for another season as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Justin, would you like that? I would like that. All right. <laughs> um, the last episode of uh, Inside the Boys is very good. Oh, yeah, there check you go. Check it out. Yeah, yeah check that out. Uh, so there's definitely a danger of becoming too much and wearing out the audience, but I don't think they're quite there yet. Uh, in terms of a little indicator of the plot, we do know Jensen Ackles is coming in as Soldier Boy, the original soup the first one in the next season um so certainly it seems like again they'll be plugging into americana they'll be plugging into the history of vaught the history of soups and delving into that more the thing that i do wonder about is we are getting this season season two before the presidential election we're getting season three after the presidential election who knows what america's going to be like after that oh please they did a good job of feeling present um, mm-hmm. last for last season coming, uh, writing last se- this season two and it premiering when it did. But uh, you're right; the world could be very different, and, and the episodes are, I believe, already written. Uh, oh, interesting! Uh, so mm, we'll see. Can I? Yeah, we'll definitely see. I want to ask you guys. There's a moment where uh, Storm uh, Stormfront is like, "Oh, people just hate the word Nazi," and I was just kind of like, "Wow, you were missing." Uh, a lot about what the public thinks about that. Um, and I was just kind of surprised because she, she's always seemed to step ahead of everything. And with that, it kind of like, I was like, Oh, you, you dumb. You're, you're not really aware of uh, what the perception of that. Uh, did that kind of grab you guys at all or? I mean, I think this episode was about showing her to exposing her as someone who seemed like she was on top of everything. But once uh, she was exposed, even just a little bit, it all fell apart very quickly. Well, and I think that's also very accurate to those types of people in the modern era. I mean, look at like we're having a lot of discussions right now as we're taping this about Proud Boys, which is Nazis or what was the I'm forgetting what they called them right after the election. But there were so many meet the dapper racist, you don't know about type articles that came out where it was just reframing people with a different word, but it's still the same thing. So that's what they keep trying to do. And they keep trying to say the same racist bill of goods. Um, but hopefully it doesn't work. Hopefully people are onto it. Unfortunately, a lot of people just aren't like it does work that way. So they believe in their horrific ideology. They think People on the outside are like, oh, you just don't like Nazis, but you like, you know, you are against white genocide, which is also a made up fucking term. (laughs) Um, So it it seemed pretty consistent to me. I understand what you're saying, Pete, but I think like it was right on with people in the modern era. Yeah. Also, kind of like because she survived so many things and had to come back as different people. Like maybe that's, you know, she's like, oh, I just rebrand myself and then I'm, I'm okay, you know. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, we should probably talk about Billy Joel and Only the Good Die Young, which wow. plays twice in the episode. Fun uh, great song. Great song. Fun. Great song. Feels a little different in the modern era. 
Uh, and it, wow. it does. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought it was really funny how Starlight was kind of speaking for all of us when she was like, okay, Huey, what's the fucking deal with Billy Joel? You know? <laughs> yeah. And that was kind of like fun how at first he was like, what? Billy Joel's great. And then kind of slowly he kind of revealed the real reason. He talks about his mom. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. I do think, well, there was this song and then um, uh, we heard God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, at the sort of in the climax time, and I do think the way I took these songs is uh, sort of the dark side meaning of each of them. Like only the good die young. A bunch of people have died, and now we have all these sort of flawed people who are left around, who are now the main characters of the show. Uh, so well, that's sort of interesting. I th- I kind of took it as only the good die young, and this really old racist person lady here <laughs> is old as fuck, and she's dead. You know, so that's she's not well, good. I mean, if we do actually want to delve more into the lyrics, but uh, I, I think you're right, Justin. But there's also, like I was intimating, there is the modern recontext of that song. Is Billy Joel's character in the song is trying to convince a Catholic girl to have sex with him, like try to cajole her into doing something that she did. Come out, come out. Virginia, don't let me wait. You Catholic girls start much too late. Sooner or later, it comes down to fate. You You might as well be the one. Yes, of course. Have you never listened? You got to listen to the word. Songs are both music and words. The (laughs) words are like words we use. So they have, you know, I don't pay attention to when you're talking, Justin, just like Billy Joel. I'm like, oh, this sounds nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great song, but again, great. from a modern it doesn't context, seem like it is. You just said he's trying to. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like my point is that's what the show is really about. Is like this sweet, fun thing, but has this darkness under it that when you really think yeah. about it's like <laughs> all of these people are trying to convince people to do things that they don't necessarily want to do oh, under wow. the guise of isn't this fun? Isn't this exciting? So it really did feel like the perfect song on multiple layers to end the season with, particularly as Huey signs up with Alexandra Newman, uh, even if. In the intervening years, I have uh, personally soured on that song a little bit. Uh, it's It was a nice, very smart way of playing it over the ending credits. And uh, for, for the other song, the God Only Knows, I think the same thing, the flip perspective on it, where it's like, God only knows where I'd be without you. I'd probably be in a better p- place because mm-hmm. everyone here is just damaging each other yeah. um, because they've they come to this confrontation. Uh, and I think that's so smart to play it that way. Before we wrap up here, let's talk about ta- Best Boy. Best Boy for the episode. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. Uh, best Boy Question for the ep- mark? <laughs> oh. uh, best Boy for the episode and Best Boy for the season overall. Pete, Ooh. you raise your hand first. Go for it. Uh, I was going to say for the episode, Maeve um, came through mm. like a Mack truck, just laying down the hammer. Just that hate Kraut line was glorious. Um it was nice to see her finally kind of step up and fight the fight. And uh, she did it throughout the ep. And um, she had a tough season. But, um, yeah, it was really impressive to see her, like, be there when the chips were down. So I, I would uh, – for the season, though, whew, it's hard. Um, man, I want to say Black Noir so bad. But I'm going to have to say – Homelander. I mean, the the acting that this guy is doing, the complexity that this actor is pulling off and making him such a... It's all revolving around Homelander, so it's hard not to pick Homelander. Justin, what about you? 
Uh, for the episode, I got to give it up to Butcher, I think. Like, mm-hmm. he uh, had a lot of, between the revelations of the last episode about his family, in this episode, he had to deal with a lot and um, yeah. still be this sort of, like, too cool for school badass while also being, you know, losing the woman he loves, being put in this bad position as uh, in being in charge of Ryan, moving past that, and still being like, all right, now we're still going to be this uh, anti-super soup team uh, moving forward. Great episode for for Butcher. And then uh, since you took Homelander, Pete, I'm going to give it up for the season to Huey. Uh, Huey wow. went from Huey went from being like despondent in the basement of the uh, of the Haitian King's uh, headquarters, all the way through to being reunited with the woman that he loves. Uh, I mean, I think Anybody? last episode, last episode was sort of like the best Huey moment of the season, I think. But it was great to see him uh, just go on that journey. Yeah, I got to I got to copy you guys, I think. I mean, there were so many great moments over the course of the season, but butcher for this episode, mostly for Carl Urban's acting job, which is amazing. Just he is being pushed in such big directions and particularly in this episode, him reacting mostly with his eyes and just letting his face feel the full fury of his emotions when it comes to Ryan was so powerful to watch. And over the course of the season, Homelander, this was Homelander's season. This was Homelander's arc, not his redemption arc, but his our understanding more about where he's coming from arc played so well, ended so horrifically and exactly in the right way with that shot on the rooftop. Just great, great stuff. Uh, and a phenomenal season overall. Absolutely fantastic. Great. Thank to all of you for listening to Let's Hear It for the Boys oh, over the course sh- of the season. Wait, give a quick shout-out to Ashley uh, for this season oh, yeah, also. Ashley. What, a, what a great arc, fully losing her hair by the end of it. Um, yeah. Looking forward to see her seeing I, her next season. I also want to say Mother's Milk had another amazing line where he was like, lick my big black balls. That was really funny. There we go. No better note to end on. Thank you all for listening. Let's hear it for the boys. We'll, of course, be back for season three. Of course uh, we will. As well as the spinoff, if that comes first. Who knows? We'll cover both of them. We'll see what happens. Meanwhile, you can check out our live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. ET to Crowdcast at YouTube. Happy to talk about the boys. Answer any questions that you all might have. Hear it. Number four, the boys on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast. More Patreon.com slash ComicBookClub. Support this podcast and other podcasts we do. And we have lots more podcasts. So if you enjoy watching TV, enjoy talking about comic books, please do check all of them out. For the boys... Goodbye. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Uh, Only the good podcasts die young.